Well, hello again, guys. This is Christian Basar with another episode of the History and Historical Thoughts and Interpretations podcast. Um, I hope the sound is pretty good. I thought I'd just start off with that. Um, with the testing I did, it was pretty good, but uh, also this uh, room is different, so that's why my voice may sound a little bit different this time. And um, also, you know, as always, I'm using a, what, a really sensitive uh, a snowball microphone, so it might be picking up some other sounds that aren't usually there. So, um, so I think it should be okay, but if you want, you can leave a comment or whatever what you think of the, the sound. Uh, so today I'm going to be looking at the idea of internal prayer in the practice of Orthodox Christianity, or Eastern Christianity. Um, so this is this is kind of different, so it's not really maybe a historical work per se, but it does go into a little bit of history, like talking of the some, some of the theological background to internal prayer. And uh, one, of the, one of the examples I'll be using is a a book from the 19th century called uh, the way of the Pil way of a pilgrim and uh, so but we'll be looking at the, some of the theological background to it and what are seen as some of the the spiritual effects of internal prayer in in Orthodox uh, Christianity so with that said let's uh, uh, jump right into it so prayer is an essential activity of the Christian faith and no matter what type of Christianity we're talking about whether Orthodox Christianity or, or Orthodox Christianity or Catholicism, Protestantism, Church of Christ, Baptist, whatever, prayer is an essential activity for, for the practicing Christian, right? And it's quite likely the thing that Christians do the most often. Um, and prayer's consequences are, are seen as being very powerful. And with many claiming that prayer has, uh, that a prayer of faith can move mountains, as Jesus Christ famously said, you know, if you have the faith of a mustard seed, you can move this mountain. Um, according to Dr. Albert S. Rossi, Prayer changes history. In Orthodox Christian theology, an important aspect of prayer is what's known as interior or mental prayer. Petitions to God from the heart, from within the very center of the human soul. And this idea is central to numerous writings in the Orthodox world, including the 19th century uh, Russian spiritual narrative, I mentioned it before, The Way of a Pilgrim. And the Way of a Pilgrim was a story, it's, it's kind of a novel, but it's, it has a very rich spiritual um, aspect to it. Um, the story of a man, he's just named it the Pilgrim, we don't know him by any other name. And the Pilgrim learns to master continuous prayer of the heart. So that's the continual, it's, he's learning this through, throughout the novel. And, but first we must start with the definition. What is interior prayer exactly in Orthodox Christianity? Put simply, it is mental prayer that does not stop. It is a constant striving for God. It has a biblical basis in the Apostle or St. Paul's command to, quote, pray without ceasing. And this is found in the book of 1 Timothy 5.17. And in fact, the way of a pilgrim actually starts, it starts at this point. There are other biblical calls for endless prayer. Um, and quote, then Jesus told them a parable about their need to always pray and to not, and not to lose heart. This is the this is how Jesus started the the parable of the persistent widow who was going to a judge and constantly requested justice and eventually got what what she needed. And this was a lesson of saying that not that God is an unjust judge or an unfair judge like in the parable, but more that. Christians need to be persistently praying and not giving up, right? And they need to show faith in that time. Uh, you can read, um, you can read this, the the parable starting in Luke eighteen, Luke chapter eighteen. 
and also there are other verses in the Bible as well. There's another one too. Uh, this one especially is Ephesians 6, 18. Pray in the Spirit at all times in every prayer and supplication. But as we read the Russian novel, The Way of a Pilgrim, we can, you know, a Christian can certainly sympathize with the pilgrim's confusion about Cecil's prayer. The pilgrim knows that he needs to experience and perform interior prayer, but how exactly is this to be done? The biblical admonitions to constantly pray are admittedly, you know, sometimes we can look at them and say, well, okay, how is this done? Are there any more details? We want to look for more details, perhaps, right? And, and they, don't, they don't give very many details on how to achieve deep prayer of the heart. For example, pray in the Spirit at all times, you know. Somebody may come to that verse and uh, that passage in the Bible and look, well, what exactly does that mean? And so the Orthodox Metropolitan Callistos Ware, um, also known as Timothy Ware, but his uh, church name is Callistos, um, has noted that the early church fathers also gave general, vague instructions about this. And this, this question of how to perform interior prayer, it greatly disturbs the pilgrim in the novel. And it prompts him to seek a spiritual guide for answers. The guide's advice, again, seems kind of unhelpful, as he simply tells the continued confused pilgrim to pray more often. Just put time in, essentially, he says. Discouraged with this lack of explanation, the pilgrim, he continues his search until he comes to a monastery. And finally, the monastery's abbot finally gives him some deeper advice. Reading from a spiritual book, the abbot says that ceaseless prayer is of the mind. It is a mental or a, quote, noetic process. Noetic prayer is defined as constant communication with God, and it is considered a true mark of Orthodox Christianity, for its very practice is believed to cause, its very practice is believed to cause yearning for the church. It's even described as a way to, to try and get into God's very heart. As Father Thomas Hopko has suggested, internal prayer is life itself. This is because God, and not liturgy or religious practice, is life, and it is constant prayer that connects believing, believing petitioners to him. So how is one to put such teachings on internal prayer into practice? Prayer is a mysterious thing, as the Bible suggests. Again, quoting from the Bible, Romans 8.26, We do not know how to pray as we ought. But numerous Orthodox Christian commenters have, have spoken on this, including St. Isaac of Syria, who said that to get close to God, Christians must increase their prayers. Anyone can decide to start praying, and the frequency of prayer is also a choice. Just like the, the pilgrim's initial, uh, um, the, the, the first people that the pilgrim uh, consulted, you know, just pray more often. Prayer, like any other activity, can only be improved through repetition, according to, to this uh, point of view by St. Isaac. Prayerful solitude is a second choice vital to the life of, a no, of noetic prayer. Gentleness characterizes it, which contrasts the busy, fast, stressed, and overstimulated lives of many people. But prayer of the heart leads, to, leads, to the soul, leads the soul to an active gentleness and awareness of God's presence. The way of a pilgrim warns those that who have no time for prayer, even though many desire a deeper connection to God, even if that's so, some will claim that they are too busy to pray and strengthen their relationship with God through prayer. <clears throat> this can cause great spiritual troubles. As we see in the novel, the case of a priest who was too busy to read anything, including spiritual texts. He even started learning what he 
he started forgetting what he had learned in the seminary. The stillness in noetic prayer is the idea behind the doctrine of Hezekiah, uh, which is the Greek word for quietness. And now, again, just like I uh, uh, said with Arabic in my last podcast, um, I don't speak I don't speak Greek, so uh, some of the uh, so I apologize if this pronunciation was incorrect. Um, but in the 14th century, Saint Gregory of Palamas connected the idea of quietness or Hezekiah to the idea of prayer. He and his so-called hesychasts believed that the Holy Spirit of God could influence a Christian's life or, quote, impart God's energies. And this would this process would eventually lead to deification. And the Holy Spirit inter- intervenes between God and the petitioner with sighs too deep for words. That's, that's another quote from the Bible, uh, Romans 8, 26. Through the practice of prayer and the Holy Spirit's intercession, it is believed that a Christian can become sort of deified and become his or her true self. It is very important to note that this does not mean that a person literally becomes God um, or takes his nature because there's a difference between God's essence and quote-unquote energies in Orthodox Christianity. The Holy Spirit is said to shine God's energy upon a praying person but not his essence or actual being. Through participation in God's energies, which are essentially God's actions, uh, one can meet God face to face. We can go back to the 5th century to learn about another theologian, fittingly named Hezekiah of Jerusalem, who also wrote about interior prayer. In the 5th century, Hezekiah is known for uh, clearly interpreting the Bible in a way that made it practical for everyday life, and this is evident in how he taught Christians how to use internal prayer for spiritual warfare. Through such prayer, a Christian calls upon the, quote, peace-giving Christ for help from incoming demonic attacks. Coupled with a quiet mental state, humble prayer to Christ can lead to spiritual sobriety, a state in which the heart is tirelessly on guard against evil and temptation. A sober heart heeds the warning of 1 Peter 5, 8. Like a roaring lion, your adversary, the devil, prowls prowls around looking for someone to devour. Prayer is a shield and a weapon. If it comes from the very bottom of the heart, Christ's name permeates the whole soul, casting away the devil, flogging and scorching him, says Hezekiah. Calling upon Jesus in this way is effective and necessary, as spiritual battles cannot be won alone, and thus one must constantly be in prayer. Apart from Christ, no Christian can achieve victory, so one must always pray from the heart. Different petitions may be used in noetic practice, but the one most commonly associated with it is the Jesus Prayer, which is a continual appeal to God's mercy. Quote, Lord Jesus Christ, Son of God, have mercy on me, a sinner. So what I'm going to do is I'm just going to play a little bit, a little clip, just about just under 30 seconds from a Russian film called Ostrov, or translated to Island. And the movie takes place on an island where there's a there's a little monastery of of Russian Orthodox monks. And one of the monks, he's actually repeating the Jesus prayer. So let's take a listen. Господи, Иисусе Христе, Сыне Божий, помилуй меня грешного. Господи, Иисусе Христе, Сыне Божий, помилуй меня грешного. Господи, Иисусе Христе, Сыне Божий, помилуй меня грешного. Господи, Иисусе Христе, Сыне Божий, so again, what he is saying there is, 
Lord Jesus Christ, Son of God, have mercy on me, a sinner. According to Callistos Ware, the Jesus Prayer became prominent in the 14th century, having an important role in Orthodox Christian theology. There are said to be sort of proper steps in the performance of the Jesus Prayer. First, there's the verbal stage, which we just heard. You just heard me quote what the Jesus Prayer is, and also uh, from the movie. So the verbal stage, the praying person, the praying person uh, orally repeats the prayer over and over and over and over and over. The petitioner then goes into a second or mental stage. The prayer this way enters the heart and it takes on a life of its own, calling upon God constantly within the, within the heart. Thirdly and finally, the prayer leads to deep contemplation and meditation. The Jesus prayer is central to the way of a pilgrim. In the novel's initial pages, the pilgrim goes through the verbal stage by saying the prayer thousands of times a day. He learns that the human mind is also able to constantly pray for, quote, how easy it is to say with every breath, Lord Jesus Christ, have mercy on me, end quote. Such ceaseless prayer eventually leads to the mental stage. Practicing the Jesus prayer becomes second nature. Even if one's throat becomes too tired to say a verbal petition physically, the heart can still pray and look to God. In this way, the Jesus prayer will, f quote, flow of its own accord, even during sleep. When the, at the point when the prayer enters the heart, it touches the very source of life and warmth of the body, as the 14th century saint Nikiforos, the Hesychast, described it. The heart is a person's very core and center, not only of the body, but also of the soul. God looks at a person's heart, and the heart is considered the origin of thoughts, whether they are good or bad. You can see this biblically in 1 Samuel 16:7 and Matthew 15:18 through 19. The powers of the soul and the intellect reside in the heart. Therefore, when God's energies, such as through the Jesus prayer, enter this house of the soul, they are seen to positively, positively affect the person's whole being. When one forces the thoughts or intellect down into the heart along with the, along with the breath, the Jesus prayer may be started, leading to an inner exploration of the soul and allowing one to do spiritual battle there. This process is known as entering oneself. Teachings on the physical aspect of the Jesus prayer are interesting. We've seen how the intellect is sent down to search the heart, and this is done with regulated breathing. Eastern Christian theologians such as Nikuforos and St. Gregory of Sinai have given suggestions about this. They advised performing internal prayer in rhythm with the breath. But in addition to controlling their breath, those practicing the Jesus prayer are also encouraged to do so while sitting. And finally, while prayer ropes, such as uh, Russian tchotchke, um, are also sometimes used. Similar to the Latin Christian rosary and the prayer beads of East Asian faiths, these prayer ropes help keep track of the number of times the prayer has been recited. And the, the use of physical aids in prayer in Eastern Christian theology, it, it, it's kind of interesting in the way because it reminds us that in Orthodoxy, the physical world is very closely tied with the spiritual. Material things can be used to achieve interaction between God and the physical world, as seen in physical elements of the Eucharist, the, 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 the bread and the wine or the fruit of the vine, um, icons, and the water used in, in the sacrament of baptism. Um, the human body is also important in Orthodox thought. As Calisos Ware notes, prayer touches upon all aspects of human existence, and 
to support this, he cites the biblical command for Christians to glorify God with their bodies. Um, this is seen in 1 Corinthians 6, 19 through 20. And according to St. Maximus the Confessor, the body is a messenger of the soul. When it cooperates with the soul, the body can be brought to prayer. However, it must be noted that the physical aspects of breath, posture, and prayer ropes are merely aids to internal prayer in Eastern Christianity. What truly counts is calling upon Jesus with love, reverence, and unconditional obedience. And the posture during prayer is not the most important thing here. Also, everyone is different. So, uh, whatever physical aids may work for one Orthodox Christian may not work for another. And one may notice similarities between the Jesus prayer in Eastern Christianity and spiritual practices of Buddhism and other Eastern non-Christian religions. And of course, this is not this is not to equate the two. You know, Eastern you know Eastern Christianity is not the same as Buddhism or or other other such religions. Um, and where has but Calistos Ware has made note of some comparisons between the Jesus prayer and yoga, as both are spiritual practices that involve both physical postures and breathing control. Yogis concentrate on physical centers called chakras, just as the heart is central in the Christian practice, and a Buddhist scholar has even seen comparable elements in the Jesus prayer with the Buddhist practice of, Buddhist practice of Nembutsu, which is the recitation of the name of Buddha. Both the Jesus prayer and the Buddhist practice, for example, they both involve constant striving for a higher being or a higher spirituality. Yet there are crucial differences between Orthodox internal prayer and the Asian practices. Again, I'm not trying to equate the two, uh, the two faiths. In the way of a pilgrim, such Eastern non-Christian meditations are thought to be fraudulent versions of Christian ceaseless prayer. In the Christian prayer, it is also Christ that is the focus. And perhaps a more subtle difference is that yoga concentrates on an area below the heart, while inner explorations during the Jesus prayer are supposedly to take place within the heart. And of course, with a lot of, as with a lot of other things, there are some cautions regarding internal prayer. Although everyone is encouraged to practice it in Eastern Christianity, they must be aware that it is an act of sacrifice. It requires much patience, concentration, and diligence to practice, as the pilgrim's early frustrations with the concept teach us. Like in the Buddhist Nembutsu, the Jesus prayer involves the laying aside of the ego. It is a sacrifice of love without which true prayer is not possible. Internal prayer also invites attack from demons who would try to prevent prayer, for it is both a shield and a weapon against them. Um, one can equate this with, um, in the Bible it also says that uh, the fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much, or it accomplishes much. Right? So, uh, the idea is that if, one is, if an Orthodox Christian is practicing internal prayer, and if it's going to be effective, well, obviously, demons will want to stop that, right? So it will invite an attack. Internal prayer will also attract the world's contempt because such prayer is not wise in, in <laughs> what are seen as you know, unenlightened minds. A non-religious person will look at inter might, might look at internal prayer and see, question the value of it. Repetition of prayer may be seen as madness and even be confused with the Eastern faiths, as I said before. And... And some Christians may even suggest that a constantly repeated prayer is potentially sinful. They point to they may point to Jesus' warning, quote uh, from uh, Matthew six seven, when you are praying, do not heap up empty phrases as the Gentiles do, for they think they will be heard because of their many words. Now, some may take that um, 
that verse and apply it to internal prayer, the constant repetition of the Jesus prayer, you know, um, Lord Jesus Christ, Son of God, have mercy on me. Lord Jesus Christ, Son of God, have mercy on me. Lord Jesus Christ, Son of God, have mercy on me. Some may look at that and see that as a, a vain repetition. Orthodox teachers see, say that the practice of internal prayer requires much spiritual guidance because many incomprehensible divine mysteries are involved in this. Ultimately, Christ is the ultimate guide being called upon. He has been tested and he has suffered, and he will help those bringing forth their petitions. One, again, quoting the Bible, one can go to Hebrews 4, um, Hebrews chapter 4, verses 14 to 16, and it shows where Jesus is a, um, a spiritual high priest of Christianity, but he has suffered. He has been tempted, yet he was without sin. So he is not unsympathetic to a, a Christian man or woman's um, troubles. But some have feared damage from the Jesus prayer if it is done incorrectly. In the 19th century, Russian, the Russian theologians noted that because of its emphasis on controlled breathing, the Jesus prayer could practice physical harm to the lungs if wrongly practiced. Warning that many had hurt themselves and, not, and yet had not gained any spiritual benefit from synchronizing the Jesus prayer with their breath, some scholars warned that uh, Christians should not partake in this practice without an experienced tutor. And finally, we go back to Callistos Ware, who warns that breathing is an automatic bodily function. If one tries to control it, it might cause health problems. With this background on the Jesus Prayer, it is worth looking at the way of a pilgrim a little, a little bit more closely. Written anonymously in the city of Kazan in 1884, the city tells us about the pilgrim. Again, a Russian peasant walking from place to place to place, reciting the Jesus Prayer constantly. G.P. Fedotov suggests that the, that the way of a pilgrim is distinctively Russian. It's a distinctively Russian spiritual book in that it speaks of wandering, a process of just leaving the world of civilization to fulfill God's will. Even though the protagonist is a peasant, it has been argued that the way is, is part of a, quote, fine Russian spiritual culture, not part of the common or, or folk Russian faith. But the story is also a practical work, showing Orthodox theology in action among people of all classes and backgrounds. During his journey across the Russian land, the peasant in, encounters soldiers, noblemen, and, pe and other peasants. One character is a prince who had murdered a servant, repented, and became one of the lowly. During his penitential wanderings throughout Siberia, this, prince in, this former prince experiences joy, God's joy and forgiveness. But another focus of the book is this pilgrim spiritual transformation. As a peasant, he does not even have socks to put on his feet. But unexpectedly, he's well-spoken. Why is this so? He says that the inner illumination of ceaseless mental prayer has enlightened his mind. It was heavenly enlightenment, a comprehension of deep spiritual mysteries that educated him. He eventually passes on this wisdom to others, including a blind man hoping to learn more about interior prayer. The way of a pilgrim suggests that interior prayer can transform practitioners. This personalizes the deification concept taught in Hesychasm, um, which was mentioned earlier. Christian prayer changes attitudes, influencing prayerful people to love all, good and bad included. We see the pilgrim become sort of addicted to prayer, and when his mind ache, begins to ache and soar for it. Whenever he returns to communication with God, peace and joy fill his heart. Internal prayer is a fascinating concept within an Orthodox Christianity. It has a deep theological background, for it has been written about since the days of Hezekias in the 5th century.
As part of Hezekiah's belief, internal prayer is a crucial part of faith that allows one to connect with God. This has a transformative effect through the process of deification, and internal prayer permits God's energies, or action, to transform the soul. With the help of the Holy Spirit who intercedes on the Christian's behalf through sighs too deep for words. This makes a person's spirit more closely resemble the image of its creator, leading to the great joy and peace of God. Well, that's the end of this podcast, and I hope it gave you some insight into internal prayer, which is a very spiritual subject that you might not see on a, on a historical podcast. But uh, since we were able to bring in some religious history into it, uh, even though we just scratched the surface, I'm sure there's a lot more to learn about. Uh, there's a whole idea of hesychasm, which is an, a concept you come across in uh, certainly early Russian religious history. And uh, perhaps that could be a, an idea for another podcast that I could uh, do in the future. But uh, again, so this is just an introduction. But I hope it gave you just a little bit of an insight into this topic. And uh, hope you guys are all well. And we'll talk to you next time.